Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Well, what's going on, folks? This is M.A. Dozier and Chelsea Dozier with another Nimrod Outdoors podcast. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you? Great. How are you? Good, good. Glad to see you this morning. You too. All right. Um, (laughs) We are glad that you're with us. Uh, We're going to dive into chapter two of the book, The Hands of a Warrior. Um, But uh, we have, I guess, a little bit of some updates um, this past was it this past week? Man, all my weeks were running together. Two weeks ago? <laughs> we, what, what did we do last week? I think it was this last... No? Two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. Welcome it. to the Dozers, where we are chaotically out of control, and we do the best we can to serve the Lord. Did you say chaotically? Chaotically. Is that a word? I don't, I don't think so. I'm an English major. I make up words. It's all good. Or as you said, half English major. I'm I'm terrible at words, so. (laughs) So either two weeks ago or last week, we can't remember. It was two weeks ago. We did a... Week uh, and a half. (laughs) We did an outdoor event with uh, um, a church out of Calhoun Falls, South Carolina, uh, Northside Baptist. Uh, We went and played archery tag with them. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also did some clay pigeon shooting. uh, And uh, got to open God's word and talk about uh, David and Goliath. Always the Always the point. Always the point. Always the point is getting into the Word. Um, uh, If you haven't, if you don't know about Nimrod Outdoors, we do bait and switch. We say, hey, come hunting, come fishing. Oh, wait, we're getting in God's Word. So um, (laughs) if you plan on signing up, just know that that's going to happen. Every time. Um, But uh, we got to talk about David and Goliath um, and really kind of the mantra uh, the, the devotion we talked about with them is the mantra we end every one of our podcasts with, with stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing. Um, and we get that through the story of David and Goliath and how David uh, humbled himself to the Lord, um, stayed uh, focused mm-hmm. on what God had given him in moments and in seasons in life that uh, he didn't want to be in, that set him up in order to go after and defeat Goliath um, and then keep pressing forward. Uh, and what that meant for the nation of Israel, that David continued to press forward in the calling that he had, even if there was, even if he was up against a giant uncertainty. So it was a great time. Uh, loved enjoying hanging out and fellowshipping um, and eating with those guys and those gals as well. Um, it, it was a, uh, it was a really good time. Yeah, yeah. And then this coming weekend, we have uh, four guys coming to do a fishing trip. Yeah, um, um, and that's pretty cool too. It's a granddad a son, a son-in-law, and a grandson um, all coming. So uh, three generational uh, fishing trip uh, for a family, uh, which is, man, that warms my heart whenever we have uh, men inside a family that are really wanting to come and dive into God's Word. So we're excited about that too. Yes, absolutely. Um, All right, so let's just do this. Let's get started. So we're in Chapter 2 of your book, The Hands of a Warrior. Um, So just a quick recap on last week, we were talking about um, Welcome to War, and uh, just give us a quick update on on what that was. Yeah, so uh, if you didn't listen to last week, I recommend going back. Um, All these chapters build on each other. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how I wrote the book. Um, And so it's really, it's not a step-by-step, it's not a 30-step process of becoming a better man. Um, I didn't write a self-help book, but they each 
build on each other. It's mm-hmm. another puzzle piece uh, to who God has called us to be. So first thing I needed to confront men with was war. Like we are in a spiritual war and acknowledging that. Um, I feel like in our society today, we miss that point. Um, you know, I, any man, I guarantee you, would want if, if somebody, an intruder came into their house with the intent to harm their wife and their kids, that man's going to do everything he can in his power to defeat that intruder yeah. um, and protect his family. Uh, we do that in the physical realms, but we are lacking significantly doing that in the spiritual realms. Yeah. Um, and Scripture says, you know, don't don't be afraid of the one who can kill kill the flesh, mm-hmm. but be a one that you know can take over the soul. And so, um, if we are honestly being the spiritual leaders of the home, we need to be just as adamant of protecting the spiritual life of our children and our wives as we are their physical life. Yeah. Um, and so just confronting men with that there is a spiritual war that seeks um, to devour mm-hmm. you and your kids. Um, and so confronting them with that and saying, now it's your time to step in the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. Um, so which is exactly what, what chapter two is, the calling of a warrior. So now we've set the setting. There is a war. Mm-hmm. There's a war taking place, um, and it's a spiritual war. Yeah, so there, there's a... A book from C.S. Lewis called Screwtape Letters, and it's basically like Screwtape. He's a, a young demon learning to become an effective demon, and uh, and part of the book, part of his training, is that one of the most successful tactics he can have is for people to be ignorant and not even believe mm-hmm. in the spiritual war or believe that they exist. And um, and man, like we see that so much today in the church as well as out of the church where people just they want to put scientific names on things that are going on like and yeah i i struggle with anxiety and in ocd and mental health and there are names for those things but i also believe 100 percent that those things are instigated by spiritual war yeah, absolutely. Um, and and so they they attack us physically, they attack us mentally, emotionally, um, and spiritually, like all the above. And uh, so you know, getting back to it, so the calling of a warrior, like we now know that there's this spiritual war taking place, but to fight the spiritual war, you you got to have a warrior. Yeah. You got to have you got to be in the game. You got to be in the battle. You got to be prepared and trained and and ready to fight. And so chapter two is talking about like calling men up now to accept the role as a warrior and and enter the battle enter the fight yeah and and you can't you're right you are completely ineffective in war unless you actually step on the battlefield mm-hmm. um and man it, it it is a hard place where we are in cultural christianity and inside the church of the western world today where uh men attend church maybe but they just sit there with their arms crossed um and there's no effective life change. They are not truly going to war on behalf of their wives and their children, other men around them. Um, and, and so because of that, uh, we are seeing a, an, an extreme, I guess, attitude of apathy uh, and passiveness inside men inside the church. Um, and so that's what this chapter is, is saying, hey, now that you know there's war, it is now time for you to step into the God-ordained role that you have as a warrior. And so what does that look like? And I think a lot of times, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to fully put the weight of where our culture and society is today on the church and not just 
people in the church, but leadership of the church. Because for decades, what has been taught and what has been told is just get them inside the doors on a mm-hmm. Sunday morning and we'll take care of the rest. Well, that that is an absolutely unbiblical teaching because God has ordained the fathers to be the spiritual leaders. And if all society ever gets is one hour, maybe two hours, if they come on another night of the week to hear a message from the word of God, they're, they're being ineffective. It's just, it's just lip service. It's just coming to see hear the message. Whereas if you use that hour to equip the men and then the men take that the rest of the week mm-hmm. and go into their families and their homes and start pouring spiritual truth from that spark of a Sunday morning into their families. Um, that's when we really see that the army stands up. Um, but I, I say it all the time, like, you can't effectively wage war on behalf of your family if you have not stepped into war yourself. Right. Um, you cannot bring the life breath of God to your family unless you have received it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we get into this. Uh, you know, it starts off in chapter two in Ezekiel chapter 37, seven through 10, and it's the prophet Ezekiel. And he had this vision from God. Um, I'm going to read it because I think it is so important for us to understand what happens here. But in verse seven, it says, so I prophesied, this is Ezekiel saying, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone, and it looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and the skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, which then he, the Lord, said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, and they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Mm. And so this is, this is the call of Christ in our life, is not just to give us eternal life, but to become a part of an exceedingly great army yeah. in which we are to participate in this spiritual war that is looking to destroy the world as we know it. Um, and as men, are we doing that? Have we joined the army? Have we joined the exceedingly great army mm-hmm. in order to love on and protect and provide spiritually for our kids so that they can join the army through the calling of the Lord? Um, and there's an analogy I love to use is when you're on a plane and, you know, they always say, hey, in case of emergency, oxygen mask come down. Um, they always tell you, hey, if you have a young child beside you, put that oxygen mask on them first. And as a parent, we're like, oh, that's, you know. Yeah, like I want to save my uh, kid first. <laughs> or, or they say, they don't say put it on the kid first. They say put it on you first. Yes. So right. that you can breathe oxygen so Is that it, you're yeah. not losing oxygen so that you yeah. can and attend parent, other people. And as you're like, well, I need to make sure my kid's okay first. Correct. Like but you, you can't. If, if you fall out trying to put it on your kid, then... You're both dead. You're both dead. <laughs> yes. And so that's where this comes into play is we have to be spiritually grounded in the Lord mm-hmm. before we can expect us to make an impact and a difference in the lives of our family and our children. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the uh, the great army real quick. Sure. Right. So um, I was reading an article from Christianity Today, and they had some research from Lifeway. And it's just really interesting 
seeing the, the fall away the church has been having. Um, and, and I know in the past, and actually I think in this chapter too, you even bring up some statistics of, of younger generations fleeing the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually it's interesting because even older generations are currently fleeing the church. Um, so in 2009, 46% of boomers and 44% of Gen X actually were attending church fairly consistently. Um, but after COVID, of course, there was a significant drop. But the thing is, like, there was a huge drop during COVID, but it never bounced back up. So after COVID, we see the rates um, were now 32% for your boomers and 29% for Gen X. Uh, and then millennials dropped about 22% during that same period. Um, and the article is also like projecting that we're not going to only see a steady decline in those numbers. It was almost like COVID was enough just to push people away who were not fully committed. Sure. Um, it gave them a chance to, you know, throw their hands up and be like, yep, I'm done. Yeah. Um, it was an easy out, but, but there's, a lot of people not coming back and continuing to fall away. Um, and so they, along with this, Lifeway did, in the same article, so Lifeway did some surveys and was asking people, like, why? Why are you not attending church? And um, said 45% of the people that they had talked to who were no longer attending church said that they practice their faith in other ways. So they like to claim that they're still Christians. Mm-hmm. And... I'm not just going to disagree that there are Christians out there not attending church. Um, But let's kind of look at that for a minute because I think we have a couple of things going on where one, there's spiritual war on the church itself. And there are people who try to claim that they're in the great army who are actually not in the great army because their heart is not there. There is not breath. God's breath breathed into them. Mm-hmm. They are simply checking boxes and simply going through the motions. And, and I think we're quickly seeing that those people are falling away. Like, sure. like what's the point of me checking this box anymore? I can get just as much out of what I'm getting at church over here at, at my soccer club or at, um, you know, this or that, or, or everything's even virtual and online and social media now. Like, they don't even have a need to be with people in community. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, just... Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about the community aspect in chapter 7. Yes. Uh, where I talk about a list of your demon slayers and why it is important. But scripture is clear. Do not forsake the gathering of the body, right? And so if you call yourself a Christian, church doesn't save you. Mm-hmm. Church doesn't, you know, attend, church attendance does not um, do make any... Make you a Christian. Uh, doesn't make you a Christian, <laughs> yes. no. Um, but if you are redeemed... You know, I think a lot of times our culture and society today says like, oh, you have to go to church. You have to go to church. You have to go. To church. You don't have to go to church. Scripture does say do not forsake the body, you know, the gathering of the body. Mm-hmm. But it's not a we don't do it out of duty. We don't do it out of um, responsibility. We do it out of because we love the one who saved us. Yeah. And we want to be a part of his body. And so instead of it being a just response of this is what we've always done, this is traditional, I'm worried what grandma and grandpa are going to say if I'm not at church, um, 
you know, instead of it being out of out of duty or loyalty, it is literally out of God. I love you, and yeah. I want to be around you, mm-hmm. and that means being around your body of Christ. Yeah, and, and having like authentic worship with others. Right, and, and so going to church doesn't redeem people, but redeemed people actively love going to church because it is a place where they get to encounter the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scripture is clear; like uh, we're all part of the body, so. If I'm the hand and I chop myself off, if I separate myself from the body, eventually I'm going to wither and just mm-hmm. rotten and die. You have to be connected to the life source, and that's where Scripture is clear. So there's that. But I think you're exactly right. I think a lot of people, especially uh, in Western um, church culture today, are freaking out because they see these mass numbers leaving. Um, and while that's sad because uh, I want to understand why they're leaving i think the truth of the matter is is it doesn't bother me as much because it's just like you said they were never part of the army to begin with now do we need to engage them with the the spiritual truth of christ absolutely and and hopefully they join the army but what we're seeing now is for years for decades we've had this false sense of numbers mm-hmm. when in reality a large majority of those people were never part of the army of christ yeah and so when, now that they're leaving, we're not losing anything. Right. The body of Christ is not losing anything. But now we have to, actually, I think it's going to be easier to engage these people mm-hmm. because they're not sitting in our services thinking they're saved. They're actually now saying, oh, I don't believe in that. Yeah. Now we have an opportunity to say, okay, let's talk deeper. Because if, all, if we always assume someone's saved and someone's a part of the army, we engage them differently than someone that we look at and we're like, you're lost. I, I, I want to help you. You know what right. I mean? So it gives right. a different perspective. So I think a lot of people are freaking out that church attendance is shrinking. It is alarming, but I think in more in reality is it is it is being tested by fire and it is showing the truth of who actually is saved and who is not. Um, for a long time, we've just put on a badge of cultural Christianity. We've called ourselves Christians, mm-hmm. but we've never gone out and done what God has asked well, us to do. we're located in the Southeast United States, too. So, like, Correct. it's very, very cultural here. Yeah. Um, we actually just met some people a couple weekends ago in Hartwell who just relocated here. Um, and he's pastoring at a local church. Uh, but they, they just came down from New Jersey. And so we were asking all kinds of questions about the culture up there, and he said it was significantly different. Like, the people in church there were 100% committed, dedicated. It was not just checking boxes. Like, they were showing up to serve, to give, to learn. They were craving God's Word. And, And we were talking a little bit about, like, down here in the culture, how there's a lot of people going to church who... I mean, there's a lot of people still attending church down here who have a bottle in their hands and they aren't willing or wanting to give it up. Like they are very content with the bottle. Spiritually immature. Spiritually immature. Like they just want to be handed the bottle. They want to be fed. They're not wanting or have a desire to dig in deep for themselves. And, and we want to see people crave spiritually the meat. Like we want them to be self-sustaining and being able to dive in the word for themselves and feed themselves and um you know they should have a thirst and a hunger for the word but it it's interesting because looking at that i think it shows us that there's a huge lack of discipleship and unfortunately from pastors as well and church leadership like they are lacking 
discipleship. I'm not sure really if people understand what discipleship is. But I, I think, you know, these people that we met from New Jersey, what I found very interesting that they said was, if you're in the church up there, you're sold out. Mm-hmm. But it is not the commonplace thing. Like right. you're looked down upon. You're like, what exactly. is going on? Yeah. Like, why are you part of that? Um, it is not culturally accepted. Mm-hmm. And so the people that are actually in the church mm-hmm. are sold out. Because they've had something to, to give. They're going to have hardships yeah. well, to a and, degree. But they, they truly understand what it is because it's not... They weren't grown up in it. Mm-hmm. They weren't. It wasn't just something traditional and cultural. They did. Yeah. And so they're actually changing their life. Whereas we see down here in the Bible Belt, people are just, oh, we've always gone to church. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you believe? Well, I don't know. I just know that I'm supposed to go to church. Right. And so they don't. They're. You're right. They're. They're drinking spiritual milk mm-hmm. instead of eating that big juicy steak that's on the plate that God calls us to dive yeah. into for like, ourselves. Like they. They don't even um, know scriptures. Right. And so we've relegated spiritual discipleship to basically just sitting down and hearing a message once, maybe twice a week. But that's not discipleship. Discipleship is diving into the word for ourselves, but then doing life with people Mm -hmm. having, you know, and again, we'll get to get to this chapter seven. But for men, having men around me that are going to sharpen me and put me to the grinding wheel of the gospel and say, hey, like, this is truth and this is good for you, it's going to hurt, it's going to suck because it is literally stripping away the deadness from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but men that are going to push me into that, and what I pray for all men um, is that they get groups of men around them that will fight for them and fight on behalf of their wives and their kids, even if I can't fight for myself because I'm down, beat up, and worn out. And these men are going to come up around me and, and push me and and say hey like how are you doing today and if i'm like i'm good they're gonna be like no 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 i don't accept that answer how are you doing today and actually get into my life um and i give you know there are some select men in my life that i give that permission to to be abrasive and to be you know hey i'm i'm not gonna be satisfied with just a a short quick you know answer that is surface level Mm -hmm. like i know things are hard so what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I say this is hard, instead of sitting there going, you know, oh, yeah, man, ah, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, I'll be praying for that. No, they literally take time to dive into scripture and either give me that truth then mm-hmm. or say, hey, I'm, I'm going to go look some stuff up. I'm going to get back to you. And they come back to me and they're like, hey, this is what's going on. But this is what scripture says. Mm-hmm. Um, so men that are willing to pour into me, that is discipleship. Um you know, it's not just hearing a message and, 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 and being very surface level. Like it is an active relationship with other people in the body of Christ. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we talk about like sharpening, sharpening each other's swords. Like I visualize someone stepping into the training ring with you and actually like hitting swords with you in a good way, like Mm -hmm. to build you up and make you stronger and like train you as a warrior. And unfortunately, like I feel like we we miss that. We don't have those people in our lives. And I think we all crave it. I think we crave having that person. Well, I think some people crave it. I think some people don't. And that's where cultural Christianity comes into is they want to put on the badge of Christianity. But the minute someone starts trying to push into them, the natural response of our culture is don't judge me. Don't ask me that. Like, who are you to say that to me? Um, And so 
you can't just go to anybody and do that. Like there has to be That's a mutual relationship. I, I, think, I think people crave that having a close enough relationship with people that you can be completely open with them. Mm-hmm. Um, people seek community in other places that they're missing it. But um, that's one thing we should be receiving from the church is, or are those people, you know, and that's why we should crave church is because we have a place of, of, um, I don't know, like-minded people that are also trying to face the same battle and spiritual war that we are facing and people who are going to have the same struggles that we're having through life, like raising kids and, um, and job issues or marriage issues. And we need to be able to surround ourselves with like-minded people because we don't want to seek advice from the world Sure. when we're going through those issues. Yeah. Um, we we want to seek advice from people who are walking in Christ or are part of the great army. Well, and not only that, um, we are all flawed human beings, right? And so ultimately the true test of discipleship is if we have these people we go and seek advice from, we have to know they're flawed as well. Mm-hmm. And so when they give us advice, we need to be rooted enough where we don't just say, oh, yeah, that's it. We go back to Scripture ourselves and say, all right, what does Scripture actually say? And so, um, you know, knowing that we have good biblical discipleship mm-hmm. and not just accepting advice from a cultural standpoint or even a cultural Christian standpoint, because there's a lot of advice out there that sounds biblical and sounds good, but it is utterly like it, it will send you down a death, um, a trail of death and destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and it seems so good off the tongue, Yeah. but it is not. Um, and so knowing, not only knowing the people that we call, you know, friends that are going to disciple us, mm-hmm. but also testing everything they say to the, to the word of scripture. Yeah, you should do um, the same thing with, with leadership and pastors and any podcast we're listening to. Like we encourage you guys to take what we say and hold it up to the word. We actually have a good friend who has a saying, which we love. And, and that's like putting a stick next to a straight stick. Yeah. And so everything you hear, you should imagine, you know, that's a stick and hold it up next to the straight stick, which is the Bible. Yeah. And no matter what, you're going to see some kind of curve in that stick. But, um, I mean, sometimes it might be a little curve. Sometimes it's going to be a big old curve. And so, but everything you should do, you should hold up next to the Bible. Um, and which is the straightest stick, which is the straightest stick of all. Like it's, it's the breath of God. Um, so as you get into chapter two, basically, you know, it's the calling of a warrior. And I, I talked, talk to these men about what it means to be a part of the, the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I kind of fight against cultural Christianity, but I start off with saying the Bible is clear. Our God does not mince words. As men, husbands, and fathers, we are called to provide, protect, and lead our families. I think we can all agree on this. And then I ask these questions. So why are marriages falling apart? Why is society collapsing? And why are families falling apart? Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is, is because we as men have not stepped in the battlefield. We've put on this badge of Christianity. Um, I like to, I think I've talked about this in season one of the analogy of, um, I love the Atlanta Braves, but if I'm walking to the stadium and I buy one of these, these, uh, which are really expensive by the way, but I'm going to call them cheap fake jerseys Mm -hmm. and I get someone to print my name on the back, which they can do now. And so I have an Atlanta Braves jersey with my name on the back. But then I like walk down into the dugout randomly and go back to the offices and sit there and be like, Hey, I need my paycheck. They're going to look at me and be like, I don't know you. Who are you? Oh, I'm, I'm a brace player. Like, no, you're not. You're not on the team. Well, no, I have a Jersey. It's got my name on the back. Yeah. 
but it's a fake jersey and it, it's not real. And so that's the same way people are acting in the churches. They show up and they put on this fake jersey. They put on this fake smile. They put on this badge of cultural Christianity. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, look. But God knows their heart. And that's where Matthew 7 comes in. We'll talk about that for, in further chapters of like, he says, away from me, I never knew you. And they're like, but I prophesied your name. I did all this in your name. And it's like me walking down in there going, I deserve a check because I've watched every one of your games on TV. I've cheered for you. Mm-hmm. Like anytime you made I've a... I've sat in that seat. Yeah. Anytime, one seat every, every Sunday. <laughs> anytime you made a trade agreement that all these other people didn't agree with, I, I cheered for you. Like when you made a budgetary you know, decision for the team that you know, everybody else didn't like, I, I was right there with you. Like, I'm your biggest fan. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say, that I don't care. You don't get a paycheck. You're not on the team. You're not a player. Yeah. And so we have to be on the team, and God gives us that opportunity to step onto the battlefield and be a part of his army. But the thing is, is what that takes is, is surrenderment. And I think a lot of people think, okay, I'm just going to get my fire insurance. I'm going to pray this prayer, mm-hmm. and I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to become saved. But then, how about, how about just, we stop for a minute? Where, where in the Bible is that prayer? <laughs> Let's there, pull that up. <laughs> there is not a sinner's prayer in the Bible. A prayer doesn't save you. A church attendance doesn't save you. Walking an aisle doesn't save you. Um, and we'll get to that here in just a minute where, you know, I in this chapter, I do have a prayer at the end. Mm-hmm. But I am very clear, and I have a caveat that I say, if you would like to join the fight, read the prayer below. But let me be clear. clear. This prayer is not of salvation. This is a prayer of full surrendering. Mm -hmm. It literally takes all that we have, every last fiber of who we are, what we own in this world. If you want to even say we own it, God owns it all. And we're laying it on the table and saying, God, it's yours. Do what you will. That includes my material things. That Mm -hmm. includes my marriage. That includes my kids. That includes my health, my my future. Mm -hmm. Everything I'm surrendering over to God. Um, and that is what it takes to join his army. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things, best scriptures I find is in John chapter 11, and it's Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, right? Um, so if you're not familiar with the story, this man named Lazarus died. He's been dead for four days. They sent for Jesus. Jesus came, but uh, in cultural standards, Jesus was late. Um, Jewish standards, if you've been dead for four years, your spirit four leaves days. your body. Um, yeah, for four days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Said years. years. Oh, years. Yeah. Four <laughs> days. If you've been dead for four days, your spirit leaves your body. And then, you know, there is no chance. That was Jewish traditional thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus showed up late, quote unquote. Ooh, go Jesus. But he knew what he was doing. Right. And so they're like, he's like, hey, take me, take me to Lazarus. And like, they're like, hey, he's it's be, too late. He's going to be stinky. He's been in there for four days. He's going to be nasty. And Jesus like, take me to him. Mm-hmm. And then it says in verse, um, Verse 43, Jesus says, when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Mm -hmm. So here's the interesting thing. If you're a part of the army, it's because Jesus has literally called you by name. Mm -hmm. That is how you become a part of his army. Um, And so are you going to answer his call? is is the thing and and it goes back to isaiah 43 which is one of my favorite chapters in the whole bible and isaiah 43 says but now thus says the lord he who created you O jacob he who formed you O israel fear not for i have redeemed you i have called you by name and you are mine Mm -hmm. and so here's the thing god's calling us 
out of the grave. Mm -hmm. It's just like Ezekiel said, like I'm calling them and I'm going to breathe my life into them and they're going to be a part of the army. But here's what's interesting is if you get to verse 44, it says that Lazarus came out, his feet, his hands and feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. So he looked like a mummy. That's how they buried people back then, right? right? Yeah. So he was complete, like a mummy. Couldn't see, probably hands wrapped along his sides. He was probably waddling out. It's probably <laughs> a, a, a crazy scene, right? But then what does Jesus say? Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. The NIV version that I grew up with as a kid said, take his grave clothes off. Mm-hmm. This is the problem the church has today is that so many men may have been called out of the grave, but they're still walking around bound up with their grave clothes. And so when the world looks at them and they're like, I'm saved, they're like, you look like a dead dude. Like you're nasty. You smell like death. You still have your grave clothes on. Like, I don't see no life change in you. Like you're dead. And so we, we walk through this life. We have this whole entire quote unquote army of people walking around with their day, their grave clothes on, and the Walking Dead. Yeah, be, and and nobody in the world looks and says, "Oh man, look at them." They say, "Dude, you look just like me. You smell. You're nasty, and whatever yeah. else." And so here's the deal: we can't clean ourselves up. That takes Jesus to do that, right? But what's interesting is Jesus didn't tell Lazarus, "Hey, take those clothes off of you." He tells the disciples beside him, "Unbind him." Mm-hmm. That's discipleship. That is what discipleship is, is when we get called out of the grave and Jesus breathes that life into us of salvation, then we have people around us in the body of Christ, disciples that are going to come and start taking those grave clothes off for us. You can't do it on your own. We can't do it on our own. So if we're segmented, if we say, oh, we don't need to go to church, you're going to walk around with grave clothes on and you're going to be ineffective in this war and ineffective in leading your family spiritually because you look dead, you smell dead. Mm -hmm. You, you may have been called out of the grave, but you are literally immature in your walk with Christ. You're, you're still attached to that bottle. And so it takes other people in our lives to literally start discipling us, but it takes us also, those grave clothes represent the things in this world we're trying to hold on to. And so it takes us stripping those things away and surrendering them to Jesus. And I say in this chapter, I'm like, look, just because you surrender it doesn't mean God's going to take it. Mm -hmm. He may take it. It's his to take. But I'm not saying your marriage is going to, like you're not giving your marriage away as far as like it's going to be gone. You're just saying, Lord, this is yours. I want, I want to do your will, no matter what mm-hmm. you do as you please. Yeah, Basically saying like whatever hardships and spiritual attacks take place on my marriage, like I'm going to fight for it. Yes. But how often are we actually seeing it that way? Sure. You know? Well, and, and so that's the thing, like we need to open our hands and surrender all our possessions, our home, our vehicle, our finances, our career, our marriages, our children. And we just need to lay them at his feet, at Jesus's mm-hmm. feet and say, Lord, I am surrendering everything I have to you and when you I'm going to sit here until you tell me to move and when you tell me to move yes sir I'm going mm-hmm. um, and that is what is lacking in the church today is people that are willing to do the will of the Lord um, we have a bunch of people that want to call themselves Christians that God's never called out of the grave then we have a bunch of Christians that have actually been called out of the grave but they have the, the cultural Christianity we have today has done an awful job of discipleship so we have an entire generations after generations of people walking around 
that smell and look dead because they've never been discipled. They're just comfortable there. Like they're still sitting on the grave with with their bottles. Mm -hmm. And and here's the thing, though. I mean, like we have a toddler right now. and, And with all of her four little teeth, like she is going from bottle to food. But she is not ready for steak. Like it takes time. You can't just throw the bottle down and all of a sudden start, you know, eating these massive fully cooked steaks. Sure. So it takes, it is sanctification. It is a process and we will be going through sanctification from the moment God breathes life into us all the way until death. It, we, death is when we finally make it, you know? And, um, and we've actually heard, you know, before that, like our boxes and sanctification are all checked differently. It's not always going to be in the same order. Like there, you are going to reach certain places in your faith that I'm going to reach at different times. Sure, um, and some I might check before you and you're going to check before me and etc. Um, but like it is a process and it's the first thing, the first thing you have to do is get into the word. Um, like that's what's going to start weaning you off the bottle. And, and as you are like engulfing your life and God's word and being surrounded by other Christians who are part of the great army and who are actively fighting. You don't want to surround yourself with other bottle sucking babies. Like, <laughs> like yeah. you need to start finding people in your life or at least one person in your life who is eating meat and who can start teaching you how to eat meat. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's like discipleship and we, well, the, the... we can't just surrender ourselves and then, and then just sit there and wait. Yeah, there. I mean, there. You're right. There is a process in this. Um, you can't just jump from one day being a bottle to meet the next day. There is a process there. But the problem we see today is when you talk to the average Christian in our churches today, they gave their life to the Lord when they were eight. nine, ten, yeah. fifteen. I was baptized 20, when I was eight. But now they're fifty years old, mm-hmm. and they still don't know anything about Scripture. They're still and, sucking and on the bottle. They're still sucking on the bottle. So. When we talk about there's a process, there is a process, but there needs to be a continual process of moving forward. And yes. if and if you've been a Christian for so long and, and you're still sucking on the bottle, mm-hmm. you are ineffective in providing spiritual growth to anybody else. Right. And like, if you're if you're a parent, you are called to spiritually lead your kids. Yeah. Now yeah. that I mean, doesn't could, mean you because Joey right now is on she's both. Well, I nurse her, so yeah. let's call that the bottle. But she's on the bottle and she's starting to eat food. Yeah. Like not starting. She's been eating food for several months now. Um, but she doesn't have teeth. So I'd be a terrible mom to like throw a steak in front of her. Cause she would be like, what am I supposed to do with this? Sure. And nibble on it, suck on it, but isn't going to actually get sustaining, you know, food from sucking on that. Um, but on the contrary, if she's 30 years old and she's like, Oh, I'm still on a bottle. And you know, she's walking around with a bottle where everyone's going to be looking at her like, what is wrong with you? Oh, this is what my mama gave me. There's, like, there's two things there is one at a certain age, we just have to step up and do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to get into your word. We can't keep blaming people for our lack of Absolutely. knowledge of the scriptures, right, yes. and what God has called us to do. But we can blame the future generations because they were not mature enough to build up the next generation mm-hmm. and the next generation. And so that's where we have to – that's where I'm saying as men in Chapter 2 here, a calling of a warrior, it is your job. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 6, plain and clear. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And then teach these commandments diligently to your children. Yeah. You can't teach them diligently unless you know them yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't 
live them out in front of your kids if you don't know what they are. And so as men and as a father, it is my job to soak myself, immerse myself in the truth of God's word Mm -hmm. so that it builds me up, surround myself with men that are going to push me Mm -hmm. and, and mold, like use the scriptures to mold me into the man of character I'm supposed to be so that I can lead my family. Um, that's not going to be easy. And, and again, this is a spiritual war. So the further you want to push into Christ, the more the devil is going to come after you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, well, then I, I'll just sit right here. I'm saved. I'm good. Yeah, but what I want to hear when I die and go before God is well done, my good and faithful servant. Yes. Because Amen. we will all give an account for what for how we handled ourselves and how we followed through on what God has commanded us to do. And you may be saved, but... I. I want to stand before the throne knowing I did everything I could for the glory of God. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, so for those of you listening, like our prayer for you is that you can, you can look in your past and be able to identify a time that you've given your life to the Lord um, and that you have truly surrendered yourself. And, and it's not just a one-time thing. Like we have to constantly reevaluate and constantly surrender because there are times in our life we're going to draw you know, those worldly things back into our sight and lose focus on him. Now, when you are saved, once God breathes life into you, that can't go away. You now have the breath of God in you. Um, So just identifying that you are saved, but then like, where are you at? Where are you at in your walk with Christ and constantly be moving forward? And, and if you're finding yourself in one spot and just sitting in one spot, then like we just encourage you to start diving into God's word. Um, like the hands of a warrior is an, is an awesome book to help you do that. It is not in place of the Bible. It is simply a helpmate to the Bible and just to help you understand your role as a man in, in leading your family spiritually. Um, so two things, one, um, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's a continual surrenderment, and it is. I mean, Jesus even said, if anyone's going to follow after me, they must daily deny themselves, pick yeah. up their cross, and follow me. So literally every day you get up, and you're like, all right, Lord, your will be done. Tell me what to do, and here I go. Um, because the world wants to try and knock you down, right? Mm-hmm. You can't lose your salvation, but the sanctification process that we're talking about, like to fully be sanctified, we need to start fully surrendering to Christ on a mm-hmm. daily basis and saying, all right, yeah, I'm at your will. You tell me what. Um, secondly, uh, here's the thing. I, I actually just listened to a sermon yesterday, um, and it was a men's ministry thing, um, and it 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 was a throat punch to the soul. <laughs> and it was this dude. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was basically talking to a group of men, and he said, "Look, for decades we've talked to men like they are women and like they are children, and we're wondering why men are not responding." And it's because men don't respond unless you talk to them like men. And that is my heartbeat. Um, this book, uh, you know, I've been told it's abrasive. It's in your face. It, it's offensive. It hurts. Men, I'm telling you right now, that's what we need. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I know there's a line somewhere in here. I don't know what chapter. And I'm like, hey, if that offends you, good. Because that means the Holy Spirit is cleaning out the dark corners of your soul. Yeah. Um, and as men, that's who we were created to be. We need to step up into that. Um, and acknowledge that there's a war that is raging. And unless we step on the battlefield and we become warriors ourselves, we are powerless in order to 
help raise our kids in this world yeah. and in the spiritual I mean, world. before you can join the military, you have to go to boot camp. And no one expects to go to boot camp and, you know, have face painting and their hair done and nails done. <laughs> like, you're going to boot camp and you're expecting it to hurt yeah. and be hard and challenging. And they are making you stronger. And uh, you can't get stronger without having some pain. Yeah. Like, you got to build your muscles. you got to build endurance. And that's painful. Yeah. I, I'm probably going to get yelled at for here. I don't know if it's the Marines or mil- what part of the military, but I hear it all the time, like, embrace the suck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's going to suck, yeah. but embrace it because it's making you better. Yes. Um, and well, so as I'm men, weird, but when I lift weights, like, I want to be sore the next day because it shows me I did something. Sure. You know, like, great, I'm getting stronger. Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily fun. The process isn't fun, but I, I want it. I crave it because I know I'm improving. And it's the same thing with this. Like we need to embrace when we have spiritual warfare or just the the challenges of putting other things away so that we can have one-on-one time with God. And like there's going to be challenges in it and it's going to be hard, but it's worth it. Yeah. So here's the deal. Our, our hope and prayer, especially with talking with chapter two, is evaluating where you stand. Uh, Paul says, I believe it's 2 Corinthians thirteen five. examine yourself. Put yourself to the test to see that you are in the faith. That is what we as men need to do. Are we truly in the faith? Are we truly saved and a part of the great army? Um, And that's where we need to evaluate first. Because if we're not a part of the great army, we're powerless. Uh, It doesn't matter what we do moving forward. Like We have to make sure that that's there. That's why that's chapter 2. Welcome to war is this is the reality of the war we have. Mm -hmm. Chapter 2 is... All right, how do you step onto that battlefield? And that means surrendering everything you have. So as we end, you know, we want you to examine yourself, Mm -hmm. put yourself to the test, and then are you willing to surrender everything you have to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and and not just talk about him, not just talk about who he is, but are we willing to actually actively follow him? Yeah. it, it is literally the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life because the devil doesn't want you to do it's it. It's also the best thing. Because and it is the best thing. You are securing your eternity. Yeah. So, uh, guys uh, and ladies, if you're listening, um, <laughs> Chelsea, thank you for joining me today. Yeah. Uh, stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing forward. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day, and we hope to see you next time.